Thanks, you guys. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you'd like to turn there in your Bible with me, I'd appreciate that. Before we get started there, I just wanted to mention a couple of things that uh, kind of announcements, things going on. Ryan mentioned some of it. Uh, for those of you who are, are members of our church, we have a uh, members meeting coming up on July 18th. And uh, there's a packet out in the lobby he talked about. There's some recommendations in there from the church council and uh, the, uh, things we should do and, and kind of changes we should make, uh, maybe upgrades and things like that. We've been talking about elders for several weeks. That's one of the recommendations in the packet. But along with that, one of the things, you know, we, we try, and as much as I would like to not add another thing to the packet and another, you know, thought or change, um, something comes up. And, you know, it's God's timing. We know that. Um, but for the members of the church who will be meeting that night, uh, we're going to be at least having a conversation about uh, the property next door to our church right here. Um, it has been listed now as on the market. Uh, the family um, had approached us about buying it and then had finally put it on the market. So it's something that uh, I know many people in this church and even last meeting we had a conversation about it and maybe the, the potential of, of having that property as well as our property here and doing some kind of ministry related thing with it and a house. There's a house on it and some empty space behind it. Um, so we will not be bringing any recommendation uh, as a church council or leadership. We'll, we'll kind of, we'll try to, to narrow, narrow in a, what it could be a very broad conversation about it. We'll kind of narrow it in to, to some, some thoughts we might have as a church council and then let the church kind of have a conversation about it on that night. But I bring it up to you today because I think it's, it's responsible of us to actually give it thought, give it some discussion, give it some prayer, and, and seek the Lord in what we might really be able to do uh, if, if he does indeed lead us to, uh, to go for that property. Um, so anyway, I want to bring that to you. That's, that's extra packet stuff. That's outside of your packet if you're a church member. And uh, please grab one on your way out so you can check it out. If you're not a church member, right, uh, everyone's a member of the body of Christ that uh, has faith in Christ. Uh, but if you haven't covenanted through membership with this body, uh, you're still welcome to check out that packet. You're still welcome to be at that meeting and listen and, and, uh, and hear and, uh, and observe. Uh, you just can't vote. So I just want to make sure you knew that. Um, the next topic I wanted to move into was, uh, I just saw her walking out the door. That's why I'm like, that's too bad. Not, not hi, Linda. Um, Telia Nudy, I wanted to talk about our, our interns. We have some interns at our church this summer uh, in our youth ministry department and just at our church uh, interning here. Uh, in the student ministry realm, it's Telia Nudy. Where are you? Telia's out. Uh, Guinevere's not here today. And then we had the third one, Joshua Shannon has already been and gone. So there's those three interns, Telia Nudy. Joshua Shannon and Guinevere Robinson. Is that right, Chase? Those three? And then, and then several other students will be coming in off and on to help uh, in student ministry and learn how to put on events and how to share the gospel and, and work with children and youth. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool to have them there. Uh, the other intern we have is uh, Zach Summers right over here, and you'll see Zach on the keys uh, up here on, on the uh, keyboard during worship. Zach graduated from Calvary Chapel Bible College and is back for the summer wanting just to intern, and, and this is his, his church family, and he wants to to grow and in leadership and in, in ministerial leadership, uh, grow in worship leadership. He's, on, he's part of the worship team under Dane as well. So that's been really fun to see him grow in that and just have the opportunity for the summer to be part of that. So you'll see more of him and more of uh, the other three I mentioned as well. Uh, you might have seen the other three on the weekly update video, right? I did a weekly update video and have had some of the kids kind of help with that as well to, to get them um, really, really nervous before a camera. It's pretty funny actually, but it was, it was great. I'm sure my first time was like that too. But um, those are just some things I wanted to make sure you're, you're aware of. Uh, also, just really, again, uh, urging that if you're a married couple in our church uh, to sign up for that marriage conference and be a part of that. Uh, whether your marriage is great or not, we want uh, everyone to be able to be a part of that, to, to let the body um, encourage itself, uh, whether if, you, if you're struggling 
we want people there that are going to pour into you, encourage, and invest, and, and be ears maybe just to listen. Uh, we want to make have you make some connections with some with some folks that can 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 be an encouragement beyond just that day. Uh, if your marriage is struggling, we uh, cer- certainly that's going to be helpful. If your if your marriage is great, we want you to be an encourager. So th- there's both avenues there, and if it's somewhere in the middle, you, it's it's just great to have conversation and start developing relationships. So we'd love to have you be a part of that. All right, we good. We are on sermon number three in our series, Why Elders? And uh, that comes off of a recommendation from the church council and the personnel committee to the church to confirm elders in our church. And we have talked about that the last couple weeks. Uh, There's a recommendation in that packet. There's an orange sheet uh, on the kiosk that has a list of those men's names. Uh, What we've asked you to do is be be in deep prayer and even fast uh, and asking God to lead us and to guide us that if you... Uh, have a, a per, one of those persons, one of those men's names is on that list that you think it shouldn't be because they're not, not qualified or not called, uh, that you should approach them, you should talk to them, you should, should iron that matter out and settle it. If you can't settle it, we can continue that, uh, that course of discipline if we need to. We want uh, some purity in our church. We want uh, to be a biblically structured church. And kind of coming off a theme from Titus where Paul uh, encourages Titus, he says, I, for this reason I left you in Crete, uh, it, was, it was to set right what was left undone. And uh, as I directed you to appoint elders in every town. And, and so something that is left undone when, when the church leadership isn't, isn't in place that needs to be in place. Uh, so we, we've spent a couple Sundays talking about this already. And, uh, and our job, our, our goal as a church council, our goal as a church is just to be as biblical of a church as we can be. And, and to, to let the Lord Jesus be the head. And that we would, we would be set up and structured how he wants us to be structured as a church. Uh, that's not to say we, we've been way off in way crazy error. We just have been a little undone. It's like, it, for me, it's like it's untied and we want to tie it, right? It's like a shoe of a toddler who runs around with a shoe untied. And I say, get a Velcro shoe, right? When they just Velcro, it's easy. But uh, yeah, if it's, if it's untied, we want to make sure it's tied and it looks good and we're not going to trip and cause ourselves a headache later on. Uh, God, God is still in charge of his church and God continues to still uh, bless and protect his church. So today we're on the third message. The first two, uh, the first one we talked about was that elders... Uh, their, their job is to serve the church. Elders serve the church. And we talked about how odd this might be as we talk about elders, like who are elders, what are elders for, um, are, aren't elders supposed to be old people, or are they not? All these different questions. And so, for some of us, there's really, really bad experiences. We've had really bad experiences uh, with elders. For some, there's been no experience with elders. Like, in, in this, like, wait, we've always seen deacons, and we've seen a pastor where are the elders? And so there's this, this question, like, what, what should a church uh, look like? How should it be set up? So we've been talking about that, and the first sermon was that elders serve the church, that they are servant leaders. They're to be servant leaders, right? People who love and serve, and in that way, in that capacity, they lead the church, not in any other capacity. So I really, I really would need us to understand that and to know that, that they are servant leaders in the church. It's not that they're a hierarchy. It's not that they are a, a board that meets in a, in a 30th floor of some building that makes crazy decisions about people they don't even have contact with, right? Elders serve the church, and we talked about it on Father's Day. We, we brought this up, that, that it's like, like fathers are gifts to a family to love, lead, and serve the, the family. Elders are gifts to the church to love, lead, and serve the church as well. They're servant leaders. Uh, the next sermon was last week. We talked about the fact that elder, elders keep watch over the church, and they do that through a high calling, and that high calling is that they are called by the Holy Spirit, called by God himself, and, and equipped to lead in that way, that there is an aspiration, a stirring in the heart of a person. Now listen, you may not understand this, and even me, it blows me away sometimes that, that I have this stirring in my heart to lead in that way and to serve in that way. Because it, it is not easy. 
there's a burden on an elder that is not easy to bear. But, but when God calls someone to eldership, when God calls someone to be a shepherd, he stirs in their heart a desire, a deep longing and a desire to be in charge. Well, no, that's not right at all, right? There's a deep desire to lay his life down and serve for the betterment of the church. And we, we have to trust that God is doing that in, in the lives of men in our church, and we've seen that in the lives of the men we have listed on that recommendation. So elders keep watch over the church. It's a high calling, and we looked at their qualifications. That, that God actually says, listen, you can't just say, well, I want that person, you want that person, and let's just put them together, they're the elders. That there's a list of qualifications. Not only are they call, called and aspire to eldership, they have a godly stirring in their heart that says, I want to, to give myself up and serve the church however I can to lead and to teach them God's word. But they're also qualified. That There's a list of qualifications that they meet in Scripture. And we talked about how those qualifications are not foreign to just standard Christian living. That standard Christian living would show us these qualifications and, and say that's how we as individual Christ followers should act and behave. Right? And we said there were a couple that were, were not that way. One is the ability to teach. Not every Christ follower should have the ability to teach. But, we, but every Christ follower should be prepared in season and out of season right, to, to give a defense for the hope that they have within them. But elders should be able to teach. We saw those qualifications. Um, as I went through and I, I presented qualifications and a calling, I also talked about availability. Sometimes there will be times where the plurality of elders is a, is a necessity, more than just one, because availability may drop off. There may be a trauma or emotional thing or something happens in a family where an elder has to take care of his life and his family, watch his own life and doctrine, and others can take, fill, in the, fill the gap there. But one of the things I said, and I want to make sure the correction is heard. You know, I, I talked about you and I being, being vigilant to approach one of the, the, the nominated elders if there was some kind of sin that we had again, that they, they had done against us or that, that there was something that was in the past we needed to bring up. And, but I, what I want to make sure is clear, I, that, and I said this, I said it very clear last week, that I said, hey, sometimes there's just times we should just get over it, right? We should just overlook it and move on. It's not worth bringing it up again. It's out of character. It's, out, it's not in the norm. We should just overlook it. And I had a brother, one of you, who, who said, hey, the authority is God's word. Let's talk about this. He said, you know what? I know you said that, and the heart of it was probably that you need to, in your heart, forgive and, and trust God to, to release that out of your heart, but I didn't say that. And, and so I'm standing here to tell you today, tell you I'm not perfect, and to tell you that, that I need to correct that statement. There are times we need to, to say, you know what, I need to overlook and move on from, from a, an error or a sin that has occurred against me because it was very out of character, but it doesn't mean I overlook sin. It means that in my heart I have forgiven that sin. We're called to forgive, Right? Now, if there's, there's a burden, there's a bitterness, there's something inside that is causing, causing you to not be able to let go and move on, and you need some reconciliation, then go. And I, as I talked to a couple of the elder nominees this last week, um, one of the things they said, you know, they said, it might be hard for some of the, some of the, someone to come talk to us individually. Because that was the charge from Scripture, that was the charge I gave you, is go individually and talk to that person and see if you can settle the matter. The, here's what they said. They said, you know, maybe Brandon, you should let them know they can come in a pair if they need to. If they need some safety, if they need, if they need someone to come with them, a buddy to come with them and, and approach them, that, that they're willing to do that even too. So I, I really want you to hear me in that. When we go to a, to a meeting, right, to confirm elders, our business should have been taken care of before that meeting if we had a business with that elder, okay? Because that's their heart, and the heart of this church is to have qualified, called men who are humble and repentant to love, lead, and serve the church. Amen? So today we're going on to the third sermon, and, and it's this, the elders keep the word held high. And I, I said a couple weeks ago that it would be a, the accountability message, and it is. 
Uh, elders are accountable, and I want us to see how elders are accountable, because sometimes in Scripture it seems like, well, the elders have all the power. Well, they're, they're to oversee and to rule, but they're to lead as servant leaders humbly from that role. And, and they, aren't, they aren't unaccountable, and we're going to look at that today. Elders are called to keep the word held high. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4, but before I get there, I want us to just make mention of, of the, the theme, the purpose that uh, Paul was writing to Timothy. When Paul wrote to Timothy in these pastoral epistles, he, he's, he was writing to Pastor Timothy and, and to the church at Ephesus. And, and over all the qualifications, over all the things and structure he wanted to, to present, what he said in, ver- in chapter 3 and verses uh, 14 through 16, he, he told him, he said, I want you to understand that I'm writing to you so that you may know how to conduct yourselves in the household of God. So there was a structure that he was giving, a, a, a way that we could set up and say, this is what we can hold on to. This is what we should be like. This is what we should do. And part of that was this, that we would be a household of God. And last week we talked about what that meant, right? That as a household of God, we are God's children, adopted into his family, and guess who's father? He is. He's the father. We aren't in charge. Guess who gets to make the rules? Guess who gets to set the schedule? Guess who gets to set the priorities? Our heavenly father does. So as the household of God, we have to come understanding it's not my way, it's not your way, it's not our will, it's his will that should be supreme in the household of God. The next thing he says is that we are the church of the living God. So not only do we have this, this structure set up in Scripture that says, here's how you and I can conduct ourselves within the household of God. But, and, so, and, and sometimes we think, well, that's, that's great, we'll follow that, and there's kind of no life to that. But he goes on to say that you are the church of the living God. Do you understand that? You are the church of the living God. Not only do we have God's Word, we as Christ followers have been indwelled with His Holy Spirit. And that as you and I, the household of God, as we gather together, God is here right now. This is the church of the living God. And and outside of every other Christian gathering that's happening today or, or this week, that happens nowhere else on the planet. So we, we should kind of get some life inside of us, huh? We should be excited about that, excited about not only worshiping God, but learning from God, being led by God, being led to one another. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you're sitting where you're sitting, even though you think it's your pew. It's not an accident. We are the church of the living God, and we ought to look alive to the world around us. The next thing he says in that, in that place of, like, here's what I want. Above all, this is the theme. You're the household of God. You're the church of the living God. He says that you as the church are the foundations and pillar of the truth. Remember last week, I told you, we are, and like in Ephesus, there were all these, and beautiful, the society out there, the, the culture, these big columns and held up huge marble um, roofs and buildings, ornate structures. It was beautiful. He says, you as the church are to be the pillars and foundation of truth, that we are to hold the word tight and we're to hold the word high. And listen, if we, would, if we would surrender and submit ourselves to God the Father, if we would let him by the power of the Spirit lead us and guide us and to be a living, breathing body of Christ, and if we would hold the word of God and the truth of God high, I guarantee you, people are going to take notice. People are going to see that there's a difference in us because of Jesus. They may not like that difference, but they are going to know that God lives among us. 
And that it's our desire to glorify God in all that we do, and all that we say, and all that we are, and how we structure ourselves, organize ourselves, how we worship. It's our, our goal to glorify God and to be that pillar and foundation of truth. So today as we look at that in, in more in depth, we're talking about how elders are to hold the word high. But that charge is not just to elders, is it? That charge is to every single Christ follower, that we would hold the word high. And I know that's, that's tough. We're going to see some tough scriptures today. We, we grow up with different baggage. We grow up with different preferences. We grow up with different opinions. We're surrounded by different schools of thought, literally schools of different thoughts, colleges, high schools, teachers. We're inundated with so much information and so many points of view everywhere we go, but it is so important, imperative, as Christ followers, that this is the first and last say, that this is what we raise up and lift up. This is what we hold high and what we hold tight, and, I, and we talk about that as, you know, for some, I, I've had several conversations about the elder thing, right? People are like, some are nervous, like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, and most people are like, what's the big deal? It says in the Bible, let's just do it. Yeah, I, I, I guess so, but, but when we have a past, and when we have baggage, when we have preferences that that are the way we've always done it that gets in the way sometimes doesn't it but what it shouldn't because we as the church should be holding this high and higher than anything else okay so today we're going to look at that so it's not only applicable for elders but elders certainly are, are going to play a major part in holding that high and i want you to understand what the, the idea the notion behind elders see you and i uh, as just a, a church body can kind of sometimes ebb and flow right we have some good days, some bad days. Sometimes we're really engaged with the truth. Sometimes we're really engaged with our own pleasures, our own desires. What, what Paul is saying and what Jesus is, is, is instituting for us is, is that we would call and raise up steadfast leaders, elders, those who are steadfast in these ways, that they would continually not only hold up the word, but hold us up to the word. And that's, that's the benefit. When we ebb and flow, there will be those that don't. And that's great even looking at the plurality of elders across the board. We see elders should be appointed in every church. Not one, because guess what? I ebb and flow too. And if, if there's a plurality of elders, other men holding me accountable to that, there is now a balance to this staying up on top and never sinking. You know what? I'm deficient in some ways. I know, I know it's tough for you to, to Yeah. You're like, yeah, we get that, Brandon. Yeah, we, we totally get that. That's why we're voting for elders, right? No, but that's the truth. I'm deficient in, in, in some ways, maybe more than some. And I'm, I'm very sufficient in some ways because God's gifted me. But when we have the plurality of elders, leaders, filling those gaps, being sufficient where others are deficient, we see God's church being that pillar and foundation of the truth. And that's, that's exciting to me, very exciting to me. We're going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to get into 2 Timothy chapter 4. Lord, we, we love you, and we thank you for this day. We thank you that you've, you've gathered us today, together today uh, by the power of your Spirit to be not only the household of God under our Father, but to be the church of the living God as you indwell us with your Spirit. And we ask now that your Spirit would lead us and direct us, that you'd move in our hearts, that you would open our hearts and minds to be receptive to your Word and to your Spirit. God, we desire to, to repent of sin and to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We want to be those holding up his truth, his banner high, because there's no other name by which we must be saved than that of Jesus. So God, be with us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses one, uh, 1 through 5. 
This is, this is Paul writing to Timothy, Pastor Timothy, encouraging him and, and staying the course and, and why, this, why this is important. What's the most important thing? How do, basically saying, how do we accomplish maintaining ourselves as the household of God, as the church of the living God? How do we continually maintain ourselves as lifting up God's word as true above all else? And here's what he says. I solemnly charge you before God and Jesus Christ, who is going to judge the living and the dead and because of his appearing and his kingdom. So there's some authority he charges, right? He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. That's rich. That is a rich, rich saying right there. And, and we see this, this, the fruit of that uh, is, is people growing in maturity. So he charges them. But let, let's see why he charges. He says, I charge you because we're going to be accountable. But here's the reason we need this to happen. Here's the reason we need solid teaching. Here's the reason we need rebuking and correcting and encouraging with great patience in teaching. Verse 3. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. Does that sound like anything familiar to you? We're living in it, right? That's now. We see that now. But as for you, in verse 5, Pastor Timothy, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So he's, he's charging Timothy to, to be steadfast, to, to go push forward with, with the Word of God as his source. And that through the word, he would teach and rebuke and correct and, and encourage and be patient and, and teach, teach so we would be mature. Why? Because if we don't do that, what we're fighting against is a culture that has gathered around themselves teachers to tell them whatever they want to hear. And, and for you and I, what's interesting about that is we can say, oh yeah, I know so-and-so in the world, oh, I know the world's like that, or this, this weird thing that's going on. I, it was interesting, about three weeks ago, I was, I was looking at an event, it was, it was on social media, and it was an event put up that was, I'm, I was interested in, in attending, but it, it had all these other events going on. I'm like, oh, I want to see what's going on in, in and around Mount Shasta. So I just, I clicked on it, and I went, showed all these events. There's some wild, wild and crazy stuff. There, I mean, there's all kinds of, any event you want, you can go to. It's, it's there, and, and I, I'd never seen that before, but I understand that the, that's, there's the pleasures and, the, and the, this, uh, the, the preferences of people. They'll, they'll make for themselves whatever they want, and some of them were charging. I, I saw one convention or event. It was, a, it was like a $900 uh, one-day event for, for you to kind of find your spiritual center, right, in Mount Shasta, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, nine, and people are paying for it because they want anything but the truth. They want to surround themselves with teachers who will tell them what they want to hear to make them feel good about themselves. Now, now we say that's the truth, and we know that's the truth outside of these doors. But what about when that's the truth inside of our heart? Are there times, you think, where we let our preferences prevail? Are there times, you think, when we let our own pleasures win out in our lives? Are there times we think that we let how we've always done it rule the day? And to give no regard to what Scripture says? Absolutely there are. All the more reason that we have steadfast men, elders, who will guide, love, lead, and serve the church, holding the truth high. 
This has to be held high because otherwise you and I may fall into a place where we find some people to tell us what we want to hear. It's interesting, when we have a dilemma, when we have a problem, even now I've, I've seen it kind of happening as we talk about elders, if you don't agree with something, you find someone that doesn't agree with you and you have to chat with them, right? Because you, you, you want to strengthen your own position. And I get it. I mean, that's, that's human nature. The hard part is when that position does not line up with this position. And we ought to have people in our lives who can bring us back to center, right? Bring us back and say, this, this is what's true. This is where we ought to remain. This is where we ought to hold hold ourselves. This is what we ought to hold high. And that's what we're talking about today. He says, I, I want you to, to preach God's word and, and teach with all patience. Fulfill your ministry so that people won't do that. See, we want people to know Jesus, and we want people to know Jesus more. And then with their lives, we want people to proclaim Jesus to the world. So today we're looking at elders, elders keeping the word high, but that, that applies to all of us, not just elders. We should all keep the word high. But let's look at, at why elders keep the word high. Number one, because keeping the word high brings us life. It brings us life. You know, we, we watched a video for Vacation Bible School a few minutes ago, and, and all of the fun that we had there and excitement that was going on. Amazing time. Very fruitful. Thank you for those who served, who prayed, who were part of the, the week. It was, it was awesome. It was, it was great. And this week, as I was preparing for this message, I'm in the time in between Vacation Bible School and regular stuff, right? I, I'm, I'm asking God, I feel like there's something missing. I feel like I'm missing some verse, some, some key passage that's going to, to really make, make sense of this. And every night I'm in here, I'm, I'm emceeing, I'm leading the kids in, in the pledges and in their verses and in the motto and all that stuff, and we, we have a good time here. And that last day, that Friday night, I finally did that. All the parents were here and the kids were here, and we, we did, the, did the theme verse. And the theme, work, theme verse for Vacation Bible School was exactly what I needed. And here it is. John 20, 31, right? If the elders keep the word high because it brings us life. John 20, 31 says this. But these are written, these things are written about Jesus so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Why do we hold this high? Because it points to Jesus. And it goes on, it says, that you might believe in Jesus, uh, that he's the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus brings life. There's no other name that brings life. So we hold the word high because it points us to Jesus. And we can see who Jesus is and we can see who we are. We can get an adequate or accurate description of our own sinfulness. That we are separated. That this does not, does not show us how, how great we are. This shows how, how deficient each of us are. How sinful each of us are. How separated from God each of us are because of sin. And then it shows us the glorious one. Jesus Christ who came down and, and put himself on that cross and died there, shedding his blood, offering his body as the sacrifice for our sin, that by his wounds we would be healed, that we could be forgiven, that we could be made whole, that we could have a righteousness that was never earned because it never could be, but we'd have a righteousness because of Jesus and what he's accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection. We lift up the word of God because it points us to Jesus. We have to. Matthew, uh, or in Matthew 16, 16, Jesus is talking uh, with his disciples, and, and so he's talking to some people, say, who, who do people say that I am? 
Remember the answers they gave? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, or some say you're Elijah, or some say you're a prophet, right? You're a good teacher. Then what did Jesus say? He said, who do, who do you say that I am? What did Peter say? He said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's who we say you are. See, they understood through what Jesus did, through, through his works and through his words, and through the Old Testament showing the way that Jesus Christ was the Messiah who came to save, that he was the Son of the living God. There's another instance where Jesus is, is talking to the followers there, and he's, he's, he's having some pretty hard teaching because he's talking about his, his body and blood, and we're going to be participating and, and sharing in the, in the Lord's Supper and communion in a little while, remembering Christ's body and his blood given for us. And Jesus is telling his, his followers, telling the people around, he's saying some hard things. They can't quite understand the sacrifice that, that brings life. And they were disturbed because he said, hey, unless, you, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. You'll have no life. There's no life apart from that. And it was, that disturbed them. And, and many disciples said, we're done. We're out. We like the good teaching. We like the things you're saying and doing. But now you're talking about your blood and your body and us partaking in that. What's going on here? So they left. And in verse 67 of John 6, it says this. So then Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. See, Peter saw it. They saw it. You, you contain the words of eternal life. We're trusting in you. So as, as we as Christ followers elevate the word, we point people to Jesus. And certainly elders will play a significant role in doing that and a, and a, and a steady role in doing that. Because there is no other name given to us among men by which we must be saved than Jesus Christ. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no one else, only Jesus. Number two, elders keep the word held high because they're accountable to God through the word. They're accountable to God through the word. So this is the thing about accountability, and this is where you and I should be as just Christ followers. We lift up the word high because we want to be accountable to the word. We don't want to send, uh, send somebody astray, give someone a, a thought that's foolish, that's not truth. We want to be accountable to the word. And, and ultimately, I would say that it should be all of our desires as Christ followers is to be accountable to the word of God. That ultimately what we want is, is what's in here, what he wants for us. And like I said, there's a steadiness to to some in that, and we call them elders, and we raise them up to, and lift them up to lead us and direct us and keep us there. But elders are also accountable to the Word of God, to God through the Word. Uh, in James chapter 3, I want to just read a few verses of this accountability here. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers. So not many should aspire to this. Not, why? Because you know that you will receive a stricter judgment. Remember I talked about there's a stirring in your heart, a calling? And for some people, there, God does. God calls them into this ridiculousness that's called church leadership. It, it, doesn't seem, it seems absolutely crazy to the world. I remember, and I, I probably shared this with you, I remember that conversation I had with my grandpa. You know, I was, I was in law enforcement, and I started a career that way, and, and I just felt this, this stirring in my heart 
even before I even moved out here, when I was a senior, a senior in high school, I, I wanted to be involved in ministry. And I, I was helping with a youth group. And, and then I was in law enforcement. And it was great. My, my grandpa was so proud. So proud to have a son with a, a badge and a gun, right? But God kept stirring in my heart. And I quit. I said, I, I don't do, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to go into, into ministry. I don't even know what that's going to look like. I don't even have all the answers. I don't have the roadmap. But God's calling me into that. My grandpa thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. Why in the world would you want to do that? The headaches and heartaches, and he's seen it. He's seen how, how, how church goes, and he, and he was a Christ follower, but he said, Bernie, you've got something secure here. You're built for this. You're, you love this. You're good at this. Do this. He said, I, I don't know what to tell you. I have to do this. And, and years later, and I've told you this before, years later, my grandpa came and said, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. You, this is your calling, and this is where you should be. But it's a calling. It stirs in the heart, and not many should aspire to do it because there's a strict judgment. There's an accountability to be had. So, so elders are accountable to God. And listen, one day, and sometimes that gives us some kind of warm and fuzzy, some kind of, you know, hope. that Everyone will be held accountable someday. That's the truth, and I feel the weight of that every single day. That I will have to stand and answer to Jesus of how I did this calling. I'm going to have to give account for that. And that freaks me out. Right? It should. There's an accountability there. We read this passage already from 2 Timothy chapter 4. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead? I, I, I give you this charge. He's writing, Pastor Timothy, I give you this charge in the name of Jesus who's going to judge you that you should preach the word. Fulfill your ministry. By the way, Jesus is going to judge you. There's accountability to that. And what are we to do? Well, we're to, we're to teach the word. We're to preach the word. Not our own word, not someone else's word, not some weird book that was a self-help book we liked. Preach the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're to preach the word and be ready in season and out of season to rebuke with it, to correct with it, to encourage with it, and with great patience to teach it. That's what we ought to be doing with that. That's what elders are accountable to do. And when they're not doing that, they're accountable to the Word in that. You know, we had a great Q&A last Sunday night here, and we'll do one on the 14th again. But I, I want you to understand, like, when we, we think sometimes, well, the, well, the church doesn't have any say, and, and we, we haven't figured out how this is going to look going in the future. But you as a Christ follower not only have the privilege, but you have the responsibility to keep this lifted high over everything I say. I, I loved it last week when a brother came and said, eh, you might want to think, oh yeah, you're so right. This is supreme, not my will, this thing. It's the living word of God. So yeah, when we go to a plurality of elders and we move in that direction and, and confirm elders in our church, every one of you have the privilege, but the deep responsibility to hold us high to this as you hold this higher. This is what guides. This is what directs. This is what corrects even elders. So we, we keep the word held high because we're accountable to God through the word, but it goes further than that. Number three, we keep the hel word held high because the word reveals to us who's really in charge. It reveals that he, Jesus Christ, is actually the head. He's the head. You know, and, and for so long, and for so long, We've, we've established these hierarchies in churches, right? These, 
these ranks and, and divisions and that there's, oh, we have a pastor and everyone's underneath the pastor. That's not biblical. Everyone should be under Jesus. And pastors serve under Jesus. They serve the church only while they're under Jesus. And, and a plurality helps the accountability. Helps keep me in check. Helps keep others in check. That we are iron sharpening iron, a checks and balances system who always go back to the word knowing that Jesus is the head. Hebrews 13, verse 20. I love this, this passage. I, I mentioned several months ago uh, a guy in our church named Lloyd Knuff. Uh, years ago, he passed away years ago and left our church even before that. But while he was here at the end of the service, Stan, or we, he'd have him pray at the end of the service. And he was he had, he's one of those great from the gut prayers, right? But he'd always pray part of this passage to Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep. So Hebrews 13, 20 says this. So now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus. Okay, that, that's important. That's really important to not to overlook that. May the God of peace, God has given us, he's a God of peace because he put his wrath on Jesus and he brought him up from the dead so we could have life and peace with God. May the God of peace, who brought up uh, from the dead the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, is what he called Jesus there, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So he's saying there, there is power coming out of the blood. There's power coming out of the covenant that Christ has made with the church. There's power in that. That's the power for life. He says, now may that power, may that authority, he says, equip you with every good to do his will. Working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, whenever we talk about headship in a church or leadership in a church, you know who the leader is, right? The guy that was on the cross, Jesus. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd, Scripture says. He is the head of the church. And we are all submissive to him because guess what? He's the only one who died and can give us life. So we surrender to him. Not one person, not one pastor is ever in charge and is the man, is the ruling person. That's not how this works. Jesus is the head Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to turn there with me in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, we've used this for the last, actually, two weeks. There's a lot in it, though, a lot of meat in it. I want us to see again this, this language of Christ being the head. You know, when we talk about a church, here, here's what we want to avoid. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I go to Brandon's church. Or, oh, I, I go to Frank's church, right? I go to Corey's church. That's not accurate, is it? That better not be accurate. I'm a part of the body at First Baptist, maybe. But that's Christ's church. It's not my church. It's not anyone's church. It's Jesus' church. Ephesians chapter 4 says this in verse 11 through 16. It says, And he himself, this is talking about Jesus Christ, so, and he, not some pastor, not some elder, but he, Jesus, Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers that will be equipping the saints for the work in the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Get the language here. Yes, Jesus is using you and I in all kinds of different giftings to help build up the body, to edify the body, to encourage the body, and to glorify Him. But all of those gifts come from Him to build up His body. So when we use a gift to build up these people... We're not, we're not building you up into so-and-so's body or such-and-such's body. We're being built up into Christ's body. Remember, we're the family of God. 
we're his sons and daughters and he's the dad. Until, this building up happens, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured. Here's the measurement. Here's the measurement of our growth, our spiritual growth and stature. It's measured by Christ's fullness. It's not measured by any man. It's not measured by any woman. It's measured by Christ's fullness. That when we compare ourselves to each other, that's not where we should be. We should be wanting to measure up to Christ's fullness because he's the head. And so when we do that, when we have these prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers equipping us for ministry, and we're all firing all cylinders and growing in the knowledge of God and in maturity, he says, then we'll no longer be children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love. So listen, that, that, that part right there was what we just read in Timothy, right? We, we gather around us people who will tickle our ears and make, and make us feel good about what we believe. That's what's happening. We don't want that. We want a solid faith grounded in Christ, not to be tossed about by the, by the waves and the wind. But, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Here it is. This is God's word. This is the gospel. Let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Again, we talk about authority. We talk about accountability. This is and always will be Christ's church. Always. He is the head. And we can't grow up properly unless he is. From him, from him, the whole body, not from me, not from you, from him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. We talk a lot about elders right now, but listen, we all have our individual part. We all have a role to play in the body of Christ for the building up of one another to the maturity and fullness in Christ because he is the head. He is the source. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Yeah, we might be affirming or confirming his under-shepherds as elders in our church, but he is the good shepherd. And all those other shepherds, even though the good ones, they'd even be willing at times to, to surrender, like to, to, to die, to save the sheep. But Jesus goes farther, because he wasn't just willing to die. Like, there's a willingness, like, like I would die for my kids. But, but there's a difference with Jesus. Why he's called the good shepherd, the most moral, the most supreme shepherd. Here's what he says. Because the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It, it, it wasn't even he was in harm's way. But we all were. And he came willingly to our rescue and laid himself down on that cross so we could have life. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He is the head of his church. And without him, we cannot grow into the maturity and fullness of Christ. That leads us to number four. And it's kind of just, this, this flows, continues to flow down. Elders keep the word held high because we know the church was purchased by his blood. We know the, per, the church was purchased by his blood. The debt's been paid. The, the, the slip's been signed off right here. We know. So we hold it high to say it's been purchased by his blood. Not our own efforts, not our own ability, not our, our eloquent speeches or sermons or teachings. Not even our, our, our offerings. That didn't buy the church. 
Jesus bought the church. He paid for it with his blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. We've read, read this for several weeks now, too. He says, for, for elders, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit, right, head, has appointed you as overseers. So you're to guard yourself and keep watch over this to, so you can shepherd the church of God. Right? God's church. But here's the last part. The seriousness of this statement. You let Christ be the head and you hold the, hold the word high and you, you keep watch over yourselves and your flock so you can shepherd God's church which he purchased with his own blood. See, there was seriousness added there, wasn't it? It wasn't just, hey, be careful. No, be careful because you're not the one who paid the price is what he's saying. Jesus is. Jesus is the one who purchased our freedom. He's the one who purchased our life. He's the one who made a way for us to be clean and pure as we stand before the Father. Jesus said it, and this is part of what he said before uh, when the disciples left earlier. We talked about them leaving because he said, partake of my blood and my, my body. If you don't, you have no part in me. He said it in John 6, verses 57 through 58. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate and then they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. And if that's not the purest message and the hope that we lift up and hold high every single day of our lives, then we have missed the mark. We hold this high because it points us to Jesus. And it points us to what he's done on the cross and how he's fulfilled everything that we need, everything that's required of us. That if we would believe in him, we would have life and have eternal life. And that is the hope of the gospel. Would you stand with me and pray? Father, we're so thankful for your great love for us. We're thankful that you purchased your church with your blood. And Lord, that's not anything any man can do. Except for you, you did it. Thank you for the grace you've given us. Thank you for stirring in our hearts the need that we have for Jesus. Thank you for stirring in our hearts the different giftings by the power of your Spirit, God, that we would, we would all be working together to, to glorify you and to build the body of Christ into maturity. But God, we know that he is the head. He's the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd. So we submit and surrender to him. Lord, help us to hold your word high so that people might also find life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you can go ahead and be seated. And uh, if I, I'm going to ask those who are serving the Lord's Supper if you would come up and take a spot on each side here.